welcome back. Um, I'm Lee Wilcox, CEO, uh, co-founder of Electric House. Uh, and to my left, my digital left, or is it my digital right? I don't know. Virtual, sorry, not digital. Digital, virtual. Um, <laughs> wherever I am, uh, I am. Wherever Adam he is. <laughs> Adam Barry, creative director, co-founder of Electric House. I am what they call the brains of the operation. Yes, and I am. Um, does that make me the, what's the saying? The brains and the... Uh, it, I, um, I, I, was being, I was being funny because you're clearly the brains and I'm clearly the... Uh, the beauty, aren't you, I? <laughs> no, but it's not brains and beauty. What do they say? It's not brains and brawn. That's it, Bex. Thank you. You know, like the heavy lifting side of it. Um, because yep. obviously that's me. <laughs> hey! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome back. Um, as always, please, guys, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a review. Um, and also, jump over to YouTube. We've got a cheeky little channel over there, haven't we, Adam? We sure have. The uh, Lee and Adam channel on YouTube, we're putting a lot of effort into that. And um, we do read all the comments because there's only like one of them probably per week. But we do read them all and we do try and engage with people on there. So if you've got anything you want to talk about, anything you want us to talk about, sling a comment in and we'll be sure to get back to you. Um, and you know, because they're low comments at the moment, oh god, you get you get you don't have to get some um, some coverage on that. We're we're it's like um, messaging you every day, asking you how the comments gone, how, how it felt making that comment, um, maybe some feedback on the comment itself. Yeah, uh, we could come on your house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you leave a comment on our YouTube channel, we will come and visit you um, <laughs> after lockdown, not at the minute, because uh, we'd be breaking guidelines. Um, so, um, yeah, look, all the heavy lifting out of the way, all the promotion shit that Jamie makes us do. Thank you, Jamie. Um, yeah, look, we're, we're going through a heavy recruitment drive at the minute, and I think we've come across our own challenges, but it got us thinking about just Birmingham, you know, and we've not long been there really. Obviously we've always classed ourselves as like a Midlands business or a Birmingham business, haven't we really? But I guess for... The majority of our journey, we've been in, we've been more of a Tamworth business, not a not a Birmingham one. I, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, I think anyone who doesn't know uh, where Tamworth is, it's like 15, 20 miles outside of Birmingham city centre. A small old mining town, about seventy thousand people live there. Um, which you know, I'm very proud to live in Tamworth. By the way, a lot of people from Tamworth slag Tamworth off. We've got a castle, we've got a snow dome. Uh, and and we've got you know, we've got um, a snow dome like, like a snow dome and a castle are the same thing. Like um, yeah. there's uh, there's lots of snow domes around. There's like yeah. snow domes what, in Edinburgh. And- <laughs> what more do you need? We've got Costas, we've got Middles, we've got Aldis. You know, we're, we're basically um, <clears throat> loving life in Tamworth. Lee's got a Costa right now. Did you know there's seven Costas in um, Tamworth? I think that's outrageous. Yeah. That's a lot. And there's, there's planning permission for another one at John Lewis now, apparently. Which um, I yeah, I've seen that. A Costa and a was I think it's a little or an Aldi. You'll be happy, a little. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little fan. I'll be I'll be honest. There are other coffee shops available. Jamie said, um, but no, I think um, be, being in Tamworth, obviously, when you start a business for yourself and you both live in Tamworth, the the <laughs> putting your offices in Tamworth makes complete sense. It was like, well, it's down the road at the time. I think Lee was the only one with a car when we started the business. And let's be honest, Lee, it was a right rust bucket. Remember that Mondeo. Yeah, oh, the Burgundy Bullet. Yeah, the Burgundy Bullet. So we, that's the reason we 
we stayed in Tamworth because it was easy. But um, yeah, the, the 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 struggles were trying to get talented people to come in and, and work from Tamworth because people hadn't heard of it. You know, when you're trying to get this like cool agency vibe, and it's like where you're based, Faisley, Tamworth, they're like where. <laughs> On mm. industrial estate. I mean, I love that building. I did love it, but we, we needed to move, didn't we? And um, yeah, like you say, getting people to come out of but Because, you know, look, the data shows you, the talent pools of young people don't just exist in the town that the business is operating in. And, you know, our, our big talent pool sat in Birmingham and we were trying to get people to come out of Birmingham into Tamworth. Usually it's the other way around. People want to travel from the suburbs into the city centre, you know, from a working capacity. So we, we didn't have that pull, did we? Um, and I think we did okay. You know, I mean, we got up to like 45, 48 people, something like that at, at Faisley, which was too much for that building. And um, and I would say 95% of those people are still with us now. So it's not like we didn't, in, we just employed people short term to just get by. They were, you know, they were um, good people and good for the business. But we were at a threshold, weren't we? And we needed to move. And I think that conversation around like being in the right location. Um, I think people think that locations for businesses is all just built around if you sell product, you know. So yeah, if you've got a shop front, then yeah, you need to be city centre or you need to have good foot traffic, whatever it might be. But I think it definitely matters still when um you sort of a behind the scenes closed doors business as well. And um moving to Birmingham was something we needed to do, like Definitely, um, no yeah. doubt. You look at um, so, oh, go on. No, no, go on. You go. You go. You go, Adam. I was just going to say, you know, you look at what's around us in terms of up and coming agencies, Lee, um, and you know, London's covered off. You've got you know, uh, Jungle Creations down there. The Go. I know they don't do what we do, but very, very young uh, agency. Then, so London's covered. There's there are obviously more than that, uh, but there's just a couple that stand out. And then there's Manchester, a couple that you're willing to mention. There's a couple I'm willing to mention. Then <laughs> Manchester, was, um, Manchester was booming, and you've seen the likes of Lad Bible and Social Chain coming out of Manchester, and they've took over that space, and I think they've done a really good job. Say what you like about Lad Bible and, and Social Chain. Um, they, they did put Manchester on the map from like this new agency perspective, but no one's done it in Birmingham, you know, and, and that's where we've seen a gap. We, we thought we are that person uh, – we are that company, sorry, to, to move into Birmingham and take it over. And there's so much potential there. And we've, we've, we've scratched the surface, barely. There's so much more to come. Yeah. And and there's when you look at Birmingham as a city, obviously, you know, I think people from Birmingham bang on about the fact that it's like, you know, it's the second city, it should be more. Should, and, and, and I think it's right. But what I would say and the change I've seen in the city in the last decade just the investment going into it in from a business perspective so many businesses popping up even things when you look at like um like digbeth dining do you know what i mean like that popping up digbeth as an area so you know for those that you don't don't know birmingham is an area digbeth was like a rundown x um like warehouse factory area really wasn't it it's like the industrial part of the city center and it got to a point where it was a bit hammered and and but then a lot of like uh like-minded entrepreneurs got together and started making a bit of a music and night scene there and that turned into food then and deeper dining is this massive event now that, that goes on every you know used to and hopefully it can still survive once um lockdown sorted is that 
um, where it's a food and drink space for people to, um, for independent um, retailers to sell their products and get a name. And it, and it became this thing where people would build their businesses from being there and then be able to like take it further. You know, it, it became a real like um, startup ground for, for businesses. And um, I think that sort of thing happening in the city centre is amazing. And and then you got other businesses cropping up from it, didn't you? Things like, um, you know, like all these like sports bar type things, but they're, say sports bar, they're not. They're like, um, uh, like games bars, aren't they? activity bars i wouldn't call it an activity bar because it's a bit of a shit tagline but things where you can do you know you can play ping pong pool um uh what's the what, what's the one uh, like shuffleboard you know you've got all those things like cropping up you've then got like the darts bars that are, that are coming about now you, you see these things and you go god as if that exists but now it's like a normal thing isn't it when a bar will get created and it does a certain activity i seen one the other day crop up with these and it's a i can't think what it was called it was like a version of table tennis, right? And it's a it's a wall, yeah, with a hole in the middle of it. And it's a deep wall. And then the, the, the ping pong ball goes through this like deep hole and you just stand either side of the hole and wait for it to come out and you just have to smash it back again. And I was like, that's mad. But I can imagine, obviously, when you're having a drink and you're with your mates, like a pretty wicked game to, to play. And I, I love the vibe that's happening through Birmingham in, in, in that space. Um, I think it's I think it's brilliant. And then you've got like HSBC that have now rocked up in Birmingham as their head office. Um, and I think that's moved the city centre on. Massive investment in terms of its logistics and like the tram system that's been put through there. And just seems like there's, um, there's I mean, if you go through Birmingham city centre, the amount of building work that's going on at the minute, it's just incredible. Um, yeah. I, I think people are people are looking at like you know what does the landscape look like in 10 20 30 years time and it isn't all about london you know with the introduction of you know hs2 it's you, you can live in birmingham and you can be in london within the hour um now i know there are certain lines that can get you there now but it will just be become a lot easier um and then that'll probably raise a hell of a lot of the prices around birmingham then because you don't have to be in london to work in london anymore so I think I think people are catching on to that, and I think that's probably a big reason why you've seen the likes of HSBC and and, and other companies um, moving from London and, and setting up in Birmingham. It was a big move, that is, you know. Yeah, mass- we were going to get Channel Four, weren't we? And that was on the on the cards for ages, and then that last minute, it all like fell to pieces, and they moved to Leeds, um, which is a shame because it would have been great if Channel Four moved. We might have been able to get a bit more of a media play within within yeah. the Midlands, but I think. For me, it's that, like you just said then about the house prices and and all of that type of thing. I think you know, house prices mean um, mean something in areas. They they have a massive knock on effect to who lives there and um, and the sort of general like localized GDP and like the wealth and value of that area. And I think two things: one, lockdown has obviously made a massive difference to that. Now people are, and you've seen it in America where a lot of people are, who are working in Silicon Valley have now like moved to these like beautiful places in America because they're like. Pfft, I don't need to be there. I'm not even going into the office. Um, lots of companies now coming out saying that they'll, you know, they'll, I think it was at Unilever the other day saying that, that, that they'll never operate um, a full-time desk system ever again. So like they've already come out and said that they will not have um, full-time employees um, as, a, as based out of the office. And I think that's going to happen massively. So when you add those two things together, the huge investment that's going into Birmingham uh, anyway, you know, with HS2, and the fact that lockdown is making everything more remote um, from a working capacity, 
it is definitely going to allow people to live two hours away from Birmingham. If not, you know, even like in, in Manchester, you could live in Manchester and, and work for a company that's based in, in London and still go there two days a week and have a commute of like an hour and 10 minutes. I mean, often the train at the minute isn't that bad for Manchester anyway, when you go Manchester direct into London. But I think the difference, if you can do it in an hour flat and you can do it from 40 minutes in Birmingham, that is huge. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of exciting really, because like you say, it's exactly that point. It's not all about London anymore because London is effectively going to exist everywhere because of the, the remote working and because of the access from a HS2 perspective. Now, obviously HS2 is, not anywhere close at the minute um but it ain't going away it's not like i know people are still trying to fight it but um i think no. they have lost that battle uh, a long time ago um so yeah i think i think for me birmingham is, is becoming a um a really exciting place to start a business uh and i'd urge people you know because we could have moved the business to london we needed what we could have done was got more space created studios in tamworth and then moved every commercial activity element to London and created more sort of creative and, and commercial side of things down there. That could have, that was, you know, we looked at that possibility, but we're kind of, um, like you said, you know, we're proud of being from Tamworth and, uh, you know, I'm the same as you. I think people do shit on it, but I, you know, I kind of love it. Um, and I love Birmingham and I love the fact that we've been able to create a business that is now, you know, we, we went to the fort, we moved to the fort, we started with 48 people and we're now at, 90 plus we've had three more people start this week three last week we will be at 140 150 by the end of the year how amazing that we can you know employ an extra 100 people since moving into the city like you know within the space of less than two years like that's incredible you know and yeah. i don't think we necessarily talk about that too much even internally i don't i think we're just getting on with it because we need the people but i don't think we talk i don't think we celebrate that well enough yeah, uh, you know why? Because it came it came at a time where so many people were suffering, I think. Um, and it was very difficult to go out there on LinkedIn and, and it not to come across like you're bragging, uh, because it can sometimes, a fine line between sort of celebrating something and it looking like you're bragging. But I think we had to sort of like bite our tongue as this growth was going as well. It was, it was having a lot of growing pains within the business as well, so it probably wasn't the best thing to shout about. But yeah, I think we've done a great job. And if you look back at why we wanted to move and, and one of the reasons was, you know, we wanted to sort of like widen the net, I guess. Um, and also from like a diversity point of view, because Tamworth is, I don't know the exact stats, but it's definitely 90 plus percent probably white. I think that's fair to say. So we were just getting that as a reflection in the business and, and we wasn't getting like a diverse enough um, set of people applying. So you know, we've come to Birmingham and that has changed now, which is which is great. Um, I think Jamie's put some stats in actually around buying workers in digital tech. Uh, yeah, 20, uh, 26% of digital tech workers in Birmingham are buying, you know, which is is like over 10% higher than um, the rest of the UK average, which, you know, is right. pretty incredible, really. And uh, the, another thing, is Jamie's put some notes in here about the, you know, um, the first boot camp for coding. So there's a chap called Chris Mia who I know who we should totally get on the podcast. He runs a company called School of Code and they're based out of Digbeth. Um, they're in the um, custom factory in Digbeth. Runs a wicked business. So he takes people who aren't in tech 
yeah, who aren't coders, puts them on a 16-week boot camp course, 12 to 16 weeks, something like that. And at the end of it, he works with recruiters to then place them into digital tech or coding roles within the Birmingham area. So it's like a, an amazing like turnkey process of pulling people who are out of work or who want to change careers into something to then like move it on. And it's paid for by the recruiters and by the sponsors. He gets thousands of people apply. Like, and it, it's such as wicked. So we're, I'm in, we want to try and utilize the, the placement of some people to, to build out a, a team. Cause I think it's a really smart way of being able to like, one, it's a really good way of being able to like, make sure that we get diverse talent through the door. Um, but two, it's supporting something in Birmingham that no one else is really doing. Like, um, and he's so like focused on making sure that it's about the development of people rather than about like money. You know, I like I'm a piece of shit. I like I started speaking to him and like, wow, you could scale this, you could do this, and he'd say, and he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're missing the point. This is about making sure that Birmingham's got like a, a, a an epicenter for for tech. Like it hasn't got it and it needs it. And I was like, you know what, what. A, fucking ledge like um made made me look like a piece of shit but you know <laughs> he, he, <laughs> but that's my where my brain works think about like scale and profit and you know i'm not an absolute monster but it's just interesting isn't it when you see when you meet people who, who go no no you miss the point like this is about people you know and they only take um like i think it's like between like 16 and 20 on each boot camp so it's you know it's not um it's like really, really hard to get into it. Do you know what I mean? So I think he, he'd be a great guest to get on the podcast. Really, really nice guy and um, thinks probably a bit differently to us, which is always good speaking to people yeah. who think differently, isn't it? I, I wouldn't I would beat yourself up, Lee, for, for that. I think um, I think that's just because you're in that mindset and I'm very similar and I have to then wind it back in and go, well, actually, this person might not want to scale it to have 100 people working for them and be you know, working across the globe. But um, something that's interesting there, we spoke about, God, I'm probably going years back now, developing a localized like training center within the office for things like YouTube. So, you know, a YouTube school, people outside of media, you, if you said to them, oh, I want to become a YouTuber, they just laugh at you and go, come on, mate, you need to be a bit more serious than that. Go and get a proper job. Whereas now, if I meet someone 16, 17 years old, looking at Leaving School going, I'm really like, I want to become a content creator and see if I can crack the YouTube thing. I'll be like, that sounds amazing. That is a great career. You can <laughs> learn about the skill sets you can, you can gain off the back of that. If you don't work out as a YouTuber, you can go and get a job in production or marketing. There's so many ways you can go with it. Um, but there's nothing really out there that takes it seriously where you could probably get, you know, some form of qualification or su there's very little support in that area. I think this is something we have to do once we can get <coughs> running uh, because we've even got YouTubers working for us. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be worried about trying to put some kind of like curriculum together to be able to like support people. And even if it was just a year where, you know, they come and do the key thing to that is that it's recognized elsewhere. What you want to do, because obviously you can't employ every single person that comes on board through that Academy. Yeah with the greatest will in the world you'd like to, but you can't. And if actually, if you're doing it for the right reasons, should you employ everyone? Because actually some people might be best suited to go and work for another company, you know, but it's actually getting the backing and the support and the value um, or belief, should I say, in what you're creating there um, from other brands, isn't it? Because you effectively, it's exactly what Chris is doing over at School of Code. It's bring them in, 
train them up, um, get them going on and understanding how to really push out um, content marketing for individual platforms specifically. And then they can go and get a job in that, you know, in that career. And, and you end up becoming this like, you end up becoming a recruiter for, and, and you start placing people in the best jobs possible. But you need that like, you need those partnerships. You need the partnerships with HSBC. You need the partnerships with um, KPMG. You need like all of those things around the city. You need to sort of try and bring that together. And I think that's what Chris has done like really, really well. Um, but there's there's tons of, of like really like cool businesses in, in Birmingham. There's so many. I mean, well, look, you only need to look at like some of the bigger ones. Yeah. So like Gymshark yeah. killed it, Birmingham-based business. Grenade smashed it, Birmingham-based business. Lounge underwear smashed it. Birmingham-based business, all these ones that like um, product e-commerce driven. I mean, less so Grenade, although they do do sell online, obviously. But there's been much more about um, uh, to the B two B market and, and to the resellers. But I mean, you know, Gymshark is one of the most phenomenal stories from a business perspective to come out of Birmingham ever. Like, you know, though that doesn't happen that often. And is it because Birmingham is starting to create um, a pull? of people that have got that ambition, you know, of the, the of, of entrepreneurship. Um, I, I'm sure there was a stat. Um, I'm sure there was a stat about uh, Birmingham having more entrepreneurs than London, uh, like more new businesses started. I'm, I'm sure of it last year, uh, that it was the top city for uh, new businesses to start out of. And, and like, it's an important stat that is, because I don't think when you look at like investment and tech, um, you think of London, you know, if you think about private equity and raising money and all that, everyone goes, we've got to go to London. Yeah. And I, I still think there's a lag. So if we've got the most amount of entrepreneurs and uh, new businesses starting, um, we definitely haven't got the most amount of funding as a city, not a chance. No, I agree. Um, but I think I think it will change. I, I can't wait to see what happens over the next 20 years because I do think you're going to start to see that, that balance across the country. Um, so yeah, bring it on. Let's see what happens. And we're perfectly placed, aren't we, for these businesses to come in? And you know, if we're set up as one of the biggest social media publishing groups um, in the country, never mind Birmingham, then the opportunity is going to come our way as well. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, Jamie's put here that there's like 250 million um, pound Midlands Engine investment uh, launched in 2018. But two hundred fifty, like obviously, two hundred fifty million pounds is a lot of money. I, I sound like a, a dickhead saying it's not a lot of money. It is, but in the grand scheme of things, for a city that's trying to grow, like you know, that should be a billion. Um, yeah. If you really want to start like making a dent in things, and I think that's where like more support needs to come from investment um, and pull that out of London. But I don't know what that does to the country really when you do that when you remove that. Um, that investment from like London startups, you know, um, it's going to be a really interesting sort of play, I think, um, across the next couple of years, if that does happen and money starts to sort of spread more, I don't think it'll spread more equally necessarily. I think it will always be in London more than anywhere else. But, um, you know, if it did spread to cities like Bristol more and, and Leeds and Birmingham and Newcastle and Manchester, and, you know, it, I, I think it offers, because to say that, the greatest entrepreneurs only exist in London is stupid. Yeah. They're, they're all over the country. People just move to London to start their business a lot because they know they need, particularly if you're trying to raise money. Like if you've got an idea and you need money for it, 
needed to raise like a sizable amount of money. So many people just moved to London to go and do that. It's like, um, you know, like actors and comedians and you know, people who are uh, musicians all moved to London because they know that's where they've got to go and do it. But I think all of that is starting to change. You know, you only have to look at the way music is distributed now and the way that people are becoming, like TikTok is making people um, musically famous before from fucking Hull. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you don't need to be in London anymore. And I think that's kind of amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's where, it's where the opportunity was. Um, well, it's where the opportunity still is. Let's not be silly, but the, the way to access the opportunity was you had to do that. You had to move down there. And now the, the access is, isn't so you, you can do it from your own home. Like you just said there, you know, it's through multiple apps. You don't have to be there in person anymore. So things are going to change and for the better, I believe. So we're going to, as part of this, we, we believe in Birmingham uh, a hell of a lot, you know, and, and I think we want to try and tell the story of that as well. So um, hopefully as of next week, we're just lining this up, but we want to start a, a new series called the 0121, uh, which will still be part of the Drunken Brainwave, but we're going to try and run a, a sort of 10 to 15-ish part series um, with entrepreneurs um business owners content creators people who are trying to do something in birmingham people who are trying to build and grow something uh we're going to get guests on each week um uh really excited about this um you can tell that we've got a passion for birmingham um if you're listening to this and uh we want to try and sort of tell some of the stories that are happening and some of the businesses that are starting um and uh yeah we're going to try and do that from 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 next week onwards what do you think um what do you think the, the biggest sort of uh, challenge we've had with uh, the recruit? Because like you said, the recruitment was the reason we, was one of the big reasons we moved to Birmingham for like, we knew we were going to grow massively and, you know, from like 50 to 200. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge we've had in the recruitment drive? Since moving to Birmingham or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, like, you know, the latter under 2020 and, and obviously now. Um, um, I don't, do you know what? It's a really difficult question because I think uh, a few of the blockers have been, I think from us um, when it comes to recruitment. And I think like, because we've never run an agency before and because we've not really had that many people come into the business from an agency background, <clears> it's all been difficult to sort of like, really understand what type of person you need um and we're trying to recruit people from traditional agencies that um that probably overpay um and as a grown business we we probably couldn't have matched that so i think it's i think for me it's uh probably shitting on the on my own company now but it was matching the people we want with with what we were we were budgeting to pay them <laughs> yeah that's which i think no, it is. It's hard. And we, you know, we get, obviously we lean, lean on our recruiter to, to position that. And they're often telling us like, well, you're not, you know, being unrealistic here on who you, we under, understand exactly who you want and we get it, but you're being unrealistic on what you want to pay them. And that's not because I think we pay, I don't think we pay poorly. I actually think we're, I think we're probably just over the average in terms of where we're, where we're looking on things. But I think because of the scale we've got at the minute and, the, and where we're investing into the business, we've got to be dead careful on, how much money we're spending um so i think it's a fair point i think we've you know um i think operationally it's been hard on it as well but just you know the, the 
since the when did we we've been back in the business two weeks now that's right isn't it was it yeah. three this two. is third week this is the third week so yeah. in the first two weeks we've hired six six new people have started in the first two weeks and that looks like that's going to carry on until like around the end of march i mean that's got attained that actually i'm just like shit like it's um operationally you end up hitting a bit of a blocker don't you um, yeah it's been difficult like even just thinking about organizing the interviews and going through those interview processes it isn't the same you you have a do- well, someone will have a dodgy connection i've had people come in and out of an interview because either i've lost connection or they've lost connection and it's a it's a real shame sometimes because you know that that would that would mortify me if i was interviewing for a role and my internet went and i had to come back in i even had someone's phone battery die as well uh, which <laughs> kind of, the problem was they were very honest and open and was like I'm, I'm interviewing in between my lunch here she had like you know a certain gap and Bless her. As she said, my, my back, I've got my battery plugged in. It's really low. I hope it doesn't go. And it went before the end of the interview. But I think it's it's been a struggle really trying to like judge people over a video call. I can barely see you now, Lee. Um, Is it really bad? Yeah, I can hear you. Fine. I can, you're obviously on screen, but you look pixelated. And and that's that's again, it's a it's a problem, isn't it? Because I don't think people. Are, are actually set up to work from home in the capacity that we have been. Um, but I guess that'll improve. I, I'm just looking forward to getting face-to-face in front of people because that, that's when you can really judge people and, um, you know, find out what they're really about and they can put their, their best version of themselves across in person. And I think equally when someone, you know, when we've got new people starting, it's, and I, obviously, you know, we, we make sure that the induction process is, you know, I think we're always trying to improve that, that process. Um, I think it's really it's an important part of what we do is making sure that people get to grips as quickly as they can, but also in not too quickly, almost you know. Um, and uh, I always have, as you do, basically when people get inducted at um, Electric House, they'll always have meetings booked in with each team leader of part of the business, and I'm no different, so I I, I meet them as well, and I, I've like done a few this morning actually, and um, it's such a shame for them in the sense that they're most of them, cause we've got production in the office admittedly, but so if you start within production, you kind of get to go to the office, but if you don't, then there's this period of time where you might work within the business for at the minute, you might work within the business for three, four, five, six months. And then you, then you have to go to the office. It'd be like starting again, won't it? It'd be like your first day again, which I think is a shame. Like that's, it's, um, usually try and get all that out of the way in the first week, don't you? But it's like, people are going to have to sort of like come in, they'll know their little bubble and then they're going to meet a shit ton of people they've never met before, be in a new office, don't know really where anything is, you know, like, and they've been working here for six months, mad. Yeah, I'm almost apologetic, I am as well. When um, I am as well. Yeah, I'm not exactly that at the minute. I have to be like, don't worry, you know, you wait till we get in the office, it's, it's so much better because I've experienced working from home and I actually like working from home now. But equally, I know if I went back to the office consistently, I'd consistently I'd be like, oh, no, I really want to work from the office. And hopefully a balance of the two is, is probably where I'm going to be happiest. But having that face-to-face interactions, and especially from the creative side, because we we get together and we brainstorm and there's people from various departments all around the table and we're getting things on the whiteboard. And those creatives are like, 
they're so exciting for anyone in the in in the business no matter where you work if you're a part of one of those craves fun ideas coming out putting this campaign and a pitch together it's just it's just it's a nice thing to be to be around and to then that not have that it's it's been a problem it really has and you get so many people who don't contribute on the calls because it's not as easy as being able to judge when someone stopped speaking or and when to go in and and you have that blocker and we're gonna have to look at a, a get around for that not can't just wait for the vaccine and everything to return to normal i think we have to look at bringing something in where we can maybe be a little bit more collaborative but even things like the perks of the office the bar you know the playing pool and table tennis and darts and we've got the auditorium with the big screen that and you know playing computer games and stuff although a lot of people slag that stuff off and go oh, you've got beanbags in a pool table have you oh, yeah well done well actually they're there for a reason they do work you know, it's not just to go and look at us. We're great. People can get off from the chair when they're stressed out. Go and have a game of pool. Believe me, it clears your head when you're not thinking about an edit, when you're not thinking about a client, when you're not thinking about a deadline. Get up. It doesn't matter if you go and sit down and read a book. You know, just go and do something elsewhere within the office. And, you know, I know you can do that at home, but um, it just feels completely different. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You you got any um, any advice for a smaller business going through like a big recruitment drive based on what we've done? Um, I, I'd say take your time over it. I think we've made rush decisions on people. Um, I think you need to be even more um, careful when you're recruiting in the way that we are, when you're not doing face to face. I think you need to do a little bit more um, due diligence and, you know, maybe maybe increase a minimum of two interviews. Got to be a minimum, more than more than just yourself in there. You know, we try and get at least three to four people across a minimum of two interviews for sort of your roles um, that that I'm I'm interviewing for. So yeah, just take your time. Don't rush into it um, and set a task. Always set a task because it is so difficult. And like I say, I feel sorry for people because I've had that many interviews where it's like. Communication over the over over um, Google or <laughs> Zoom has been that bad. It's like it's cringe, and I'm going, "Oh, this is terrible." God, no, they're good. I can already see it, but it's just it's not coming across. We're, we're missing cues, and oh, have they finished? I'm starting. It's 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 really awkward. So, um, I'd say just take your time with it and uh, and be careful. But equally, you know, you've got to give people a little bit more space because. Um, it's not easy trying to judge. We had someone late give some feedback to us, didn't we? When there was like me, you, and Andy on an interview. Do you remember? And they, they no, when was this? This was for a PA role, and um, I think she said, "Yeah, it was a bit intimidating. I, I didn't expect it to be like three people firing questions uh, at over Zoom." <laughs> oh no, we was all in the same room. That's what it was. So that so we were at work at the time in the boardroom. Me, you, and Andy. And we've got like a uh, wide, yeah. really good technology, but it's a wide, wide cam, isn't it? So sh she was obviously expecting us to be like four faces on a screen, which probably would have been easier for her to then read each one of us as we're asking questions. But because it was on a wide camera, we're all sat away two metres apart in a boardroom. You, she couldn't see our <laughs> expressions. She, couldn't, she, she didn't understand who was talking sometimes because it was all just coming from one camera. Yeah. And her feedback was it was one of the worst interviews she'd had. So then we we learned off that and said, yeah, probably, you know, absolutely right. Um, that's on us, that is. So I guess, yeah, you've got to just think through the process and think about how they, they feel about it as well.
yeah definitely i think um what's the 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 uh the saying it's higher slow fire fire fast and i think that's that's uh good advice for any size business um i think the difference is sometimes when you're a smaller business you just need someone so quickly but i think my advice would be you know similar to ads in in terms of take your time but but also allow plan for that time so and we do this still where we're like right this is the budget they'll be in in january and then when you start sitting to it and we speak to the recruiter they're like are you fucking mad like what are you going on about you what you want us to find someone for a a 45 grand role in like two and a half weeks like what and you want them to start as well um you're stupid and i think that's where uh, uh, just allowing that time in in your, in your timeline and your budget whatever it is so that you can so you're not caught out you know so that you're not expecting say you're expecting a result in february um uh and because you think you can hire this person in january whereas in reality this person isn't going to be starting until the end of Feb or start of March and it knocks out all your budget or your, your revenue or whatever. So I think planning's key on, on recruitment and we constantly revisit it. I mean, we revisit it every week at the moment. You know, we have a meeting, the recruitment meeting every week to just check one, if we're on track, two, if it needs to change. Um, it, and three, if we can still, still afford to do what we're doing, you know, it's all bound on money coming in as well. Um, which is still quite hard as well, actually, because you're still sort of trying to like, still trying to get, you've made your decisions, but then you still need to make decisions as you're going along, which is annoying really, but you, you kind of got to do it. We're still at that stage where like cash is still important. You know, we're not an, an, an unlimited amount of um, pot of money. Like, Yeah. And uh, one thing I would say, if, if, if you're coming at this from an angle of um, applying for jobs, then I would do, do, a little bit more work when you turn up to an interview and maybe present something or send something ahead because, you know, if, if the, um, the tech lets you down, at least they've got something to look at and go, okay, we know what this person's about. And everyone that I've interviewed that has presented something or they've, they've added something that I thought I didn't even ask for. Um, I've been overwhelmed with what they've done. So, you know, you've got to stand out from, from your competition on that front. Even more so at the moment, if you're applying for jobs at the moment, make no mistake and be under no illusion that, people, that there's not 10 times the amount of applicants that are applying. And you don't, as someone who's applying, you don't get to see that. You don't get to see the stats. But talking to, to Culture Heads, our recruitment uh, company we use, they're getting like four or 500 applicants for one role in some situations, particularly within like production and like um, because there's a, there's a shit ton of freelancers who did have work who now don't. Uh, you know instantly overnight so i think there's um it's a really good advice it's doing something to make yourself stand out and show your personality and because what are we trying to do really in, in a first interview it, uh, for me it's all about fit it's uh, I, I couldn't really the technical side of things goes into the second interview for me where you start really grilling people the first one is about like them and like yes can they do the job of course but you probably wouldn't interview if, if you don't think that anyway but for me, it's always like, have they got the right vibe? Do I feel like they've got the right values? Do they share that with us? Are they going to bring something different? You know, it's fine being different. Like, I love the fact a lot. It's what we're gagging for at the minute, isn't it? Is people with different points of view, different cultures, different backgrounds. Um, but that that core value of, you know, the togetherness, the consistency, the, the creativity, you know, we want to see that. Um, and I think, if you can just make yourself stand out that little bit in that first interview and you stand a chance of getting through to a second. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's really good advice. Um, 
Jamie's put in here, he's just put like a note in the viral TikTok sea, sh uh, sea shanty came from Bristol. <laughs> what do you mean? It came from Bristol. Jump in now, Jamie. Come on, jump in. Here he is. What do you I mean? Came from I, I believe that was actually from Bex, but I think she's talking about. Oh, it is the, from uh, Bex. Sorry. Sorry, Bex. Uh, <laughs> bring back, I'll bring Bex. Bex is on in the order. Come on, Bex. Hit. What was this about? I, I know the. I know. I know the. Um, uh, the TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. So the viral sea shanties that are going that around was... on TikTok. It, it apparently began with a shanty group from Bristol called the Longest Johns. <laughs> and what? And then they. What they made the video? You mean that like the um, the audio clip was from them? Yeah, apparently they made the original audio clip that people have been um, singing right. over and sharing on TikTok. I was I was reading um, a load of stuff about the the four guys who were in that picture. They're from Birmingham, um, and I was reading. I've been reading a few stories about them lately, and I just you know what? I feel so sorry for them because they have just been hammered. Like yeah. Yeah, and it just keeps coming back to haunt them. It just comes in different waves. That meme does. That photo will, I don't think it's ever not going to be used. And I mean that in the sense it could disappear for two years, but someone will bring that back because it's just perfect to like rip into British culture, isn't it? It's like uh, that could, you could not see it for a decade and it will come back again. Yeah. I think they've took it well though. There was on this uh, Good Morning Britain. TV, but I think they're gonna, they are going to get opportunities now, and and, uh, and you know what, fair play to them, and they've, they've took it well because a lot of a lot of people have been, you know, I think they received death threats and all sorts, like you know, yeah, the, the, the one the one lad, yeah, yeah, the one lad I'd seen wouldn't um, still wouldn't like communicate with the press. There was three of them that were, and the one wouldn't, you know, um, like the one in the middle, the more stockier one, he was like, because I think he'd received like real bad uh, like hate from it which is just yeah. like so unfair isn't it do you know what i mean like it's just four lads having a photo when they're out in town um, yeah we were all, we all, we've all crap crap clothing at one point haven't we oh so, yeah yeah I mean, i've got yeah. a velour hoodie on i mean you know someone's got it though <laughs> um but yeah i mean fair play to them i think they have to keep well i'd love it if they start getting opportunities from it i would love it if one of them gets on like it just becomes like you know, famous uh, from it, and you can just be like, "Where? How did? What did? How did he start his career?" Oh, yeah, he's, he's the shanty meme. <laughs> no, what we need to do. We need to find out if one of them's a trades trades. Oh, man. mate, they're all, uh, in, all three of them are engineers. I think. Um, they? Yeah. What? Jamie just put one of them's a plumber. Oh, oh mate. Oh, got got plumber. There we go. Yeah. This original piece of content about to drop. Yeah. Oh, mate, action that after this. Get lob that into the original team. I'm gonna know. That's a belter. Yeah, I'm sure some of them are engineers when I was reading it. Um, that's great that one's a plumber. Oh, my God, we've got to get in. Hilarious. Um, and on that note, um, I feel like we're, we're coming to an end. Like I said, we are going to be rolling out the new series, the 0121, which is all about people trying to build and grow something in, uh, in Birmingham. So we'll be speaking with really exciting, inspiring entrepreneurs, business leaders, content creators. Um, I think it's going to be wicked. Uh, 
hidden gems, in my opinion, I think there'll be um, some really, really great things going on in Birmingham. So um, please tune in for that. Hopefully next week, Jamie, are we, are we saying for next week? Is this what's going to happen? We're going to have this guest for next week? Yes, then. I thought he was going to come back. Oh, he is. He's coming. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Yeah, we're going to have someone for next week. Brilliant. Um, so we'll start that series next week, guys. The one two one series for the Drunken Brainwave, um, and uh, I think we should. I think we should call it a day. Um, I've been Lee Wilcox. I've been Adam Barry, uh, and this has been the Drunken Brainwave episode twelve. Uh, tune in again next week. Love y'all. Bye. Well, thank you very much for listening. Quite enjoyed that one. Birmingham Talk 0121, uh, always my favourite subject, being from the Midlands and all that. Um, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. And do not forget to head over to our YouTube channel, Lee and Adam, and subscribe over there because we are putting out weekly content uh, just as good as the podcast. And don't forget to join us next week where we'll hopefully have a Midlands-based guest on, and we'll be talking all things Birmingham. Love it. Yes, I can't <laughs> wait for this. The A121 is going to be mint. So, yeah, until then, uh, see you later. Thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye.